If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell. Good morning and welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps. Make sure to follow the show at our website at libertyneversleeps.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Liberty Tom. And now you can watch the videotaping at Real Liberty Never Sleeps on Facebook or on YouTube.com. Good morning. Yesterday, I um, was the first day on the YouTube with no music. It's so dreary. It really, it really is. I, I I saw the video on YouTube, and it's just got that dead air. For I, they, they told me, oh, we have this library of music. And then they said, well, you can use songs, but it, you can't monetize your video. And I go, yeah, but you told me that before. And then all of a sudden, well, some sign, our, our, our database... You know, what songs you can use, what can be monetized, and we can't keep it current all the time. And I'm like, you know, that's, I'm tired of, uh, I don't want to be labored anymore. YouTube's not going to have music anymore. And I don't have to worry about it. If you want music on a bumper music and you want video, go to Facebook. Facebook has much better rules. They have a very simple process and it works fine and there's no problems. So you just go to Facebook if you want the video with the bumper music. It's it's a if you just want the video as quickly as possible, go to YouTube. Now, nah, and that's going to be the end of it. I'll just leave it at that. Bolton's gone. I'll get to nine eleven in a minute. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten. Never forget. I want to talk a little bit about Bolton first because it's kind of relevant. Um, John Bolton was hired back in May of this year, May 2019. And he was hired to give insight into dealing with Iran. And he was he was a a guy who did have knowledge and experience in dealing with the Iranians. There's no question about it. But John Bolton is a Bush neocon. And he is going to use military or want to use military force as a diplomatic tool. That's just what they do. Now, you could decide whether it's right or it's wrong. But he was a bad fit with the administration. I was very mystified by that hiring. I kind of understood it, but kind of didn't. Because it was like Trump, he has spoken many times about getting our troops out of Afghanistan, about dealing with North Korea in a nonviolent way, non-threatening way. 
he has spoken very critically of the administration on the Iraq war, as I have. It's one of the things that I have in common with Donald Trump, our attitudes about the Iraq war, about why we were there, what we were doing. And so I thought it was kind of a mystery, but not. It was like, yeah, he knows a lot about it, but he's going to be at odds with this administration. And the liberals were going crazy. Oh, that means Trump is going to war. That means he's going to deal with Iran militarily. I remember when Trump was dealing with North Korea. He said they, they were screaming about how Trump wants to get us into war with North Korea. That he wants to guarantee his re-election by getting into a war with North Korea. That he's going to get us all killed. I remember them screaming about it. And I said, no, that's not what he's doing. I know what he's doing. He's putting pressure on them in order to get them to bring him to the negotiating table and stop shooting missiles. That's exactly what he did. He got North Korea to stop shooting missiles. He got Kim Jong-il to walk across that DMZ and start talking again. When other administrations had always taken the traditional approach. Rattle the saber, threaten the guy, and then ignore him. Because, you know, he doesn't deserve a seat at the table. Donald Trump said, that's ridiculous. I'll talk to him. With Iran, we had negotiated a deal which ensured that Iran was able to build a nuclear weapon. They just were going to do it on the sly. And when Trump became president, he said, that deal is a lousy deal for America. It's a lousy deal for Israel. And I'm going to deal aggressively with Iran. And the negotiations that we had had in place fell apart. The Iran deal was basically scrapped. By the way, that that deal was an illegal deal. It was never ratified by Congress. Congress and the neocons basically gave Obama permission to do it. And so Donald Trump was entirely justified in breaking that deal. Iran went crazy. The liberals went crazy a second time. They said, oh no, we're going to go to war with Iran. Especially when Bolton got hired. Now, when Bolton's fired, everybody's going crazy again. Oh no, he fired Bolton. Bolton was the only guy who knew what was going on in Iran. It's like you can't win for losing with the liberals. And I don't want to spend today of all days knocking the liberals, but it has to be mentioned. Bolton's firing indicates that we do not want to take the traditional neocon approach to enemies. The neocon approach to enemies is always, who are we going to bomb, when are we going to bomb, and how are we going to bomb? That's, that's their attitude. They use military force as a diplomatic tool. It's not what it should be used for. That's not what in the past America has used it for. Oh, maybe in Vietnam, that was a failed approach. Afghanistan, that was a failed approach. Iraq war, I was vehemently opposed to that. I understood it. I just was against it. I'm on record. And so to me, the firing of Bolton is, well, he, he couldn't, you know, one of the things that you have to do in that position is you have to go on the, the Sunday talk shows and defend the administration and their policies. And their policies were completely at odds with what 
what he thought we should do. I, and that's, that's justified. You know, people have different opinions. But he couldn't do that. And, and because he couldn't do that, which is what Trump needed him for, he had to go away. John Garamendi, Democrat from California, was on, I think, Fox News. Maybe, maybe it was CNN. I was flicking channels when that happened. I mean, it's typical Garamendi. You know, typical Democrat, typical liberal. Well, just another day of chaos in the White House. It's not chaos. He thought John Bolton could bring some insight into the Iranian situation, and it just came to what? Bomb the hell out of him. Well, we should have attacked Iraq. I believe that we should have attacked Iran when our drone was shot down as a defensive act. You have to eliminate those missile batteries on the coast. Trump felt otherwise. Okay, he's the president. You know, everyone criticized Trump. Oh, we got to get rid of Trump because he made a decision that I don't agree with. That's not what you do. Not as a Republican, not as a conservative. You say, okay, I'll wait and see. And I, people are saying, well, he's the greatest president. He's the worst president. I'm not judging Donald Trump's presidency until it's over. In either a year and a half or, or five and a half years. When that happens, then I will say whether... He was relative to Reagan, relative to previous presidents like Coolidge. Was he a good conservative? Was he a good president? Was he good for America? That's that's the only time you could judge. I know John Voight's out there screaming. Oh, he's the greatest president ever. Oh, I know, I know. Whatever. I'm happy with him too. Overall. I got to move on. I just, this John Bolton thing, I had to mention it because it's kind of a big news. But it's kind of not. Donald Trump runs the White House like a private company. And if somebody is hired and to do something or bring something to the table and doesn't, you move on. You get rid of them. You just go, okay, fine. It's not like you can retrain middle management with, with government employees or with political opinion. You just got to go, oh, you're not working out. You're not doing what I need you to do, what I asked you to do. Go on, go on Sunday, Good Morning America, BFE coffee shop henhouse show and explain our position. You're not doing that. And he says, well, I can't in good conscience. That's fair. So he got to go. John Bolton says he offered his resignation. The next day, Donald Trump fired him. Does it really matter? I guess not. John, if John Bolton said that he went to the president and he offered his resignation and then Trump says, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then comes out and says, I fired him. Well, yeah, it is a firing. and They're both right. That's what presidents do. They go, I'm not happy with you. And I don't think things are working out. Well, I'll, here, here's my resignation. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he probably did. He probably called him after the press conference. And says, you know, I, I made the decision last night. John, I'm, I, I decided to take your letter of resignation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Speaking of things, I, I want to talk about 9-11 today. I'll be right back. You know, every 9-11 I do these shows, 
Every 9-11, I do a rundown on what happened, where it happened, when it happened, so that we don't forget. I can't do it anymore. I can't talk about it anymore. I've written, I don't know, countless articles on it. I can't attack the left anymore. I can't attack the right anymore. I can't attack the Bush administration, which I hold accountable for a lot of problems today. I, can't, I, I don't want to fight anymore. Because the next generation that's come along has completely forgotten what 9-11 was all about. When I talk, I sound like an angry old man. The next generation, generations growing up today, people like AOC, who were children when it happened. Remember, 9-11, the first one, the big one, was 19 years ago, 18 years ago. People, an entire generation has grown up. If, you're, if they're 25, 26, 27, 29, they were little kids, 10, 11 years old. They don't know anything. They don't know shit from Shinola about 9-11. And the mainstream media doesn't do what it needs to do. Show the 9-11 films over and over again. People like Omar, some people did something, don't want those films shown. Because they know it will stir up passions again. What was 9-11 about? It wasn't about Muslims attacking America. It was about Islamic extremists completing the plan that they had originally attempted. We'll talk about that further down the show. It was about nine terrorists, about Islamic extremism, Islamic fundamentalism that believed the Western powers need to get out of the Middle East. And that you're living high on the cow on our labor. That you live by a set of codes and principles and freedoms which you don't really represent. And so that we want to take that away from you. So what do we do in our futile infancy? After the 9-11 attacks, we do exactly that. We give up our freedoms. We stand and we gave up our freedoms to travel freely. Visas, x-rays, baggage searches, putting our shoes in a box to be searched, our stinky shoes. We sit on the tarmac in airplanes for hours. We're told to get to an, hour, uh, an airport three hours before a flight because of the security. That's stupid. It's not going to attack... Uh, Start stop another 9-11 attack? It isn't. 9-11 didn't happen because we didn't have enough security. That wasn't the issue. The issue was we had failed to understand what is coming next. It was a, a fifth columnist, a, a second a second collateral what do they call it a lateral damage lateral attack lateral warfare what do we it was a failure of intelligence to provide security for america 
What, what were we were always told about terrorists? Just give them what they want. Just give them what they want. And when the plane lands, the authorities will take care of it. Don't do anything stupid. Don't try to fight back. Fly the plane. Do whatever they want. And then when it lands, the experts will take care of it. That's what got all those people killed. That's what made 9-11 possible. The lack of self-defense. The lack of the ability of people to defend and do anything about it. Because everyone had been told, just give, let them do what they want. It was a failure of our intelligence services. To say, you know, this is a possibility. You need to be aware of it. That someone could use these planes as a missile. In a suicide attack. That's what, that's what enabled the terrorists to do what they did. Every war, there are winners and losers. And I'll take, for example, World War II compared to World War I. Because it's easy for everyone to understand. The people that lost in World War II were the ones that were fighting World War I. Why did France get invaded by Germany? Other than the economic and, and civil tensions. What? Why? Why, was, why were they so vulnerable? Why did France get overrun so easily? France had an, an army almost equivalent in size to Germany. Because they were ready to fight World War I again. They had built up the defenses in the territories between France and Germany with something called the Maginot Line. Huge turrets and in concrete embankments. They had placed their primary forces all along the Maginot Line. They were prepared to fight World War I again, should it happen. They were ready for Germany to come running with their guns across, just like they did in World War I, straight into machine gun fire. They said, the Maginot Line is impregnable. They spent millions of dollars defending their frontier with this Maginot Line. And Germans were prepared to fight World War II. They had fast-moving, highly armored tanks. They attacked the Belgium and Netherlands and simply went around the Maginot Line. In what's called, and what was developed, was the Blitzkrieg, or, or mobile warfare. In other words, fast-moving armored tanks. We still use that method of attack today. The American army perfected it. It was demonstrated in the Iraq wars. Using helicopters and fast attack tanks to destroy and obliterate an enemy so fast that they can't they can't compete, they can't fight back. That's what happened. That's why France was overrun. They were fighting World War One. Why did we lose 3,000 people in the World Trade Center attacks on 9-11? And more when you consider it. When the people were in the Pentagon, the people over Pennsylvania. Why, why did that happen? Because we were ready to fight another war that the terrorists were fighting. The hijackings. We weren't prepared for the possibility. You know, it's possible they could use this plane as a weapon. It's mentality that got people killed. Thinking. 
And I just can't do it anymore. I can't talk about 9-11 and Michael Judge, the victim number one. I wrote an article on it. I posted it again to Facebook. I'll let them doing it. I, I reposted the original 9-11 remembrance story that we had uh, done three years ago. I had done three years ago. I, I, I'm not going to do it again. I've said what I have to say. And I don't think we should attack each other on 9-11 either. Today, I'm going to stay off social media. I mean, I saw Tom Arnold taking a shot at Donald Trump this morning with an edited video of him talking about his own building on 9-11. Well, it's taken out of context. The interview where he was doing, he talked about a lot of things on 9-11, and there was one incident where the the radio show has, well, what about you? After talking all about 9-11, terrorism, and all this kind of thing for 15, 20 minutes, the announcer goes, well, what about you personally? How are your buildings? He goes, well, my building is pretty good. You know, our buildings are pretty tall too. And they are vulnerable to this kind of attack. And we, we did all right. You know, our building is an amazing building. But I don't think it would have held up. You know, the very thing that made the our World Trade Center, the building held up in the 1993 bombing, was the thing that brought it down on 9-11. And I don't want to hear any more about conspiracy theories, about Jews doing it, about Saudi Arabia. It's not relevant. It really isn't. We were attacked on 9-11, and we didn't really do anything to defend it. We attacked another foreign country. The problem is the ideology of Islamic fundamentalism. It's not the Muslim religion. There's billions of Muslims worldwide. They never did anything to the United States. There's Muslims living here in the United States. Never did a thing. Done business with them. That's not the issue. The issue that there's a hardened group of people, Islamic fundamentalists, that want to bring down America. And we haven't done anything to stop that. We haven't. They still exist today. They're going to exist. The way you fight an ideology is you root out its evil. You talk about your constitutional values. You bring that to the world. And we're, we still haven't done that. And I don't want to fight with liberals today over it. I want to remember what happened. And I want to remember how great we were on the day after 9-11. After 9-11, we weren't. Democrats and liberals. We weren't Trump bots. We weren't never Trumpers. We were Americans. The rest of the world said to us, every nation got together and go, wow, that was a terrible attack. That's bullshit. Attacking civilians? You go do what you got to do. Hunt down these Islamic militants. Destroy the ideology itself. Now we sit around and argue about whether we can even call it for that. We can't even use the word. We're called Islamic phobic. What the hell happened? Do we forget what was what happened on 9-11? Crazy zealots attacked this country. We haven't done anything to eliminate crazy zealotry. In fact, we've done things to increase it. 
We still have troops over in the Middle East, which I don't know what we're doing, which is one of the reasons why John Bolton got fired. We still got troops in Afghanistan. It's obvious that Trump wants to get them out. It's obvious that Trump doesn't want to deal with Iran in the military situation. doesn't want to have a situation blow up and lots of people get killed. Joint Chiefs of Staff, people like John Bolton, stand opposed to that. Yeah, we got to do this. We got to do that. Keep our military force. No. Come home. By keeping troops over there, that's increasing this extremism. This view that that America is their enemy. America's not their enemy. They don't have any grievance against the United States unless we keep people there and keep blowing things up. Bring them home. Demonstrate your constitutional values, not your military might. Otherwise, you're going to have to resort to 15th century tactics to deal with a 15th century enemy, because that's what they are. And you don't want to do that. America's not prepared to do that. So bring them home. No more fighting. And let's stop taking shots at each other just for one day. We could go back to that tomorrow. We could pick a fight with the liberals tomorrow. We can blame Trump for our problems tomorrow. We can come up with all kinds of wild conspiracy theories about 9-11, about explosives being placed in a building to bring it down. All nonsense stories. This person's responsible. That person did that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Not today. I don't think there was a single person killed in 9-11 or in the following subsequent attack in Benghazi, any of those four men that were killed, that would want America fighting on today. Not one. I doubt it. It's just my belief. And we didn't do what we needed to do the way the rest of the world. Now you can't do it. Now you can't. We made friends with Pakistan when they were harboring Osama bin Laden. They're not, that's not our friend. That's not a friendly nation. Why are we treating them as such? The Indians down in India certainly don't think so. I don't, I don't understand America anymore. I, it's like a foreign nation. Blaming... Blaming us for being harsh with an Islamic enemy, an Islamic extremist enemy. I I don't understand that. Did you not did you not see what happened on nine eleven? Do you not understand what happened? That people have such anger and vitriol for the United States that they're they're out there still? Do you not understand that that's going to happen again if you don't do something about it? You let Iran exist as a festering wound in the Middle East? You don't bring them to the table? You don't bring them into the light? That's how you beat Islamic fundamentalism. You don't bomb it into a submission. You shine a light on it. That's what Donald Trump is trying to do, I think. I think. Anyway, I got to move on. I, I want to talk about the failure in defending America in the 1993 attack. We'll be right back.
The World Trade Center bombings were in 1993. Islamic extremism has been a problem for the world since I don't know how long. Since the Crusades, really, if you study it. Really, if you study it, Islamic fundamentalism wants to bring the, the Muslim religion and the peoples of the Middle East back to the 15th century. They're a bunch of Luddites, essentially. They're an anti-human rights, anti-individual, anti-liberty, anti-everything America stands for. Not the Muslim religion. That's different. you got to understand that. You can't point to a verse in the Quran and say, because that verse in the Quran says this, that all Muslims believe that. It's not, that's not what, that's like pointing to a verse in the Bible. I mean, you could take quotes from the Bible that are ridiculously harsh and misapply them all the time. And, and you could say that every Christian, well, you, do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? Of course not. Something in the book of orders, Leviticus? Of course not. You're doing that with the Quran. No, the problem is Islamic fundamentalism. The problem are people like the mullahs in Iran. The problem are the Islamic fundamentalists that throw gays off the building. The problem are fundamentalists, and it's not a matter of nation either. They exist in places like Saudi Arabia too. The answer is not bombing them into submission though like Bolton and some of the neocons want to do. That, that won't solve anything. That'll create more of them. Because the Islamic fundamentalists will go to the people of the Middle East and the other Muslims and say, see, this is what they're like. We told you they're going to just bomb you. They want to exterminate you. So that won't work. We failed to defend America. 1993, we had forgotten what happened in 72 in the Olympics. Like I said, we had forgotten that Sirhan Sirhan shot Robert Kennedy. This has been going on for, for years and years and years against the United States. We, we, keep, we keep making the same mistake. 1993, a bunch of Islamic fundamentalists get together in their bright idea and try and bring down the World Trade Center. They parked a truck full of explosives, basically a urea nitrate bomb, which is the same thing that was used in the Oklahoma City bombing. They pack a, uh, a truck with uh, basically a fertilizer bomb. Placed it in the parking garage under the World Trade Center. They intended to blow up the foundation of the World Trade Center and bring the two towers down. Because they knew that when one tower comes down, when that much concrete comes down in a single drop, it basically takes out several city blocks. It topples or it, or it undermines the explosive force of the World Trade Center coming down will take down other buildings. They were right. And it, that's what happened in 2001. You can't imagine the kind of explosive force when 100 floors of concrete pour down onto, onto the, a foundation. It, it's, it, I, it's close to an atomic bomb. And it failed. The bomb went off, killed people. But that should have been a red flag to us. We knew their intent. We knew what they were trying to do. And what was, what was the solution, the genius New York solution? Well, let's put a bomb-sniffing dog in some concrete berries. Well, you understand now that they failed to bring down the World Trade Center. They're not going to do that again. 
they're going to come up with a different way. But see, the mentality of, of government officials and bureaucrats is to fight the same war. They fought Islamic extremism how? Well, let's get a bomb-sniffing dog. Let's put a concrete barrier around the building. Yeah, I suppose it'll prevent another attack, but that's not how they're going to come at you. The FBI and many officials that were in government service at the time warned senior leaders of this government that though that a plane will be used next. They were warned that people were here. Our Phoenix FBI agents said, hey, listen, there's Islamic fundamentalists that are learning to fly these planes and asking the instructor, how do you aim this thing? You better be prepared for it. And we were following the 9-11 terrorists on 9-11. We knew what they were. And we didn't pick them up. Which is why we have ICE today. I am. So that we could pick those people up. They were illegally here in the country. They were learning to fly planes in an effort to bring down the World Trade Center. We forgot that. Oh yeah, that's right. Why not try down 993? Maybe we should think about that. And what was the solution? What was the George Bush solution? Well, let's reinvent and shuffle around papers. That's really what it was. The invention of the Homeland Security Department. Oh, the problem was that the FBI and the CIA didn't talk to one another. And that wasn't the fucking problem. They didn't. They weren't talking to each other. So we'll get them all together under one banner. The Homeland Security Department. So all you did was just create more bureaucracy, which is guaranteeing that people don't talk to each other further. No, the answer on 9-12 on was to fire the heads of the FBI and CIA. If they're not talking to each other and they're not defending America, you fire them. And you tell the next two leaders, no, you know, whoever's in charge next, you learn to get along. You learn to listen to the other team. When they tell you something's wrong, the FBI went to the CIA and said, oh, you know, this is a problem that exists with fundamentalism. They're learning to fly planes. Oh, yeah, okay. And they shuffled and filed the report. And nobody paid attention. One of them even, one of these reports made it to the president's desk in August. I don't fault George Bush personally, but listen, those reports are there for a reason. Little guys, analysts, guys sitting in the basements of buildings are the ones who usually figure these things out first. And they file a report. Say, hey, listen, you should be aware of this. Something's going to happen. Oh, okay, we'll file it. Big government was getting in the way of itself. So what did we do? Create more big government. It's typical liberal answer to everything. It's a typical thing for, and, and when, I, when I use the word liberal, I, I mean also Republicans and Democrats. There are liberal Republicans. George Bush was a liberal Republican. He believed in more government. The answer to everything is another program, another department. We didn't have any problem identifying who terrorists were in this country. There was no problem with airline security. It worked fine. Had airline security been notified that there were illegal aliens that falsified visas, people who had learned to fly planes, with a, uh, who never learned to land them, were traveling on that flight that day, they would have been detained. But the, 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 our security services, the, the FBI and the CIA, never notified airline security about that. And then we blame airline security for this to happen. We say, oh, no, you can't take, you can't be trusted with it anymore. So now we put a 300-pound donut eater, TSA employee, sits on a bar stool and falls asleep. You think that's going to stop another attack? 
government bureaucrats do. Liberal Republicans, liberal Democrats, they, they think, oh, it's the illusion of security. It's not real security. It's a false sense of security. It's a false sense to give people, you know why, you know why the, the real reason why we invented the TSA and came up with it and have these agents standing in an airport and, and going through your shoes and your baggage and telling you you can't bring more than 18 ounces? Like, do you really want to know the reason why? It's so that the airlines will continue to fly. Because if you thought or you knew, because this is the reality, if you knew that terrorists could strike again at any time on an airline, you wouldn't fly it. You wouldn't fly. You wouldn't get on a plane. I don't for that reason. You know, just the other day, just, I mean, literally just the other day, an airline employee, which I will leave unnamed, was sabotaging an American Airlines flight in order to get, in order to get more overtime. If you believe that story, you're out of your mind. That's how they're, they're, That's how they're, another 9-11 could happen. You're not checking the employees carefully enough. Don't you realize they're not going to come after you with a bomb again? They're not going to come after you with box covers in an aisle of an American Airlines flight anymore. They're going to undermine you in another way. They're going to come up with another different attack. You need to be prepared for it and think ahead. You need to have some guy sitting around going, you know, this could happen. And then act on it. It's obvious now we may have, we may have a problem with Islamic fundamentalism. I want to clarify that. Because all you anti-Islam people are out there and you listen to the show. An Islamic fundamentalist attack could come from Saudi Arabia, could come from Iraq, could come from Iran. Could come from a friendly nation as well as a hostile nation. They're going to come at you with an airline situation. And it's probably now, and we're seeing this, somebody that will be embedded in a situation like airport maintenance or airline maintenance. Because it's happening. It's happened a couple times overseas. This is not the first time. Do you remember when a, a, a suicidal pilot flew his plane into a mountain? They never really found out anything about that. They still don't know where some planes missing that Indonesian flight where they just suddenly disappeared and they don't know why. Planes have blown up in midair and just disappeared and they don't know why. It's happened. Look it up. I could tell you what probably happened. Somebody tampered with the plane. Somebody got a, an explosive device into the fuel tanks or into the cargo or as a passenger, you remember the underwear bomber, the shoe bomber? They're trying to figure out ways to bring down airlines constantly. You better start thinking about it. You better stop fighting the last war and start fighting the next one. It's a failure to defend America. It's to create the illusion. What they're really doing is protecting their own interests. Protecting the interests of the airlines. Well, we're going to take security away. We're going to put these people down around. We're going to search and stick a finger up your ass and look for bombs. It doesn't solve a thing. See, by they know they can't get a, a weapon on board. They knew they couldn't get a plane on board even before 9-11. That's why they came on with these assembled box cutters, because they couldn't get a bomb on. Airline security was working fine. They just weren't prepared for that attack. 
Maybe if the airlines had been handed that report instead of the president and let it sit on his desk, maybe 9-11 wouldn't happen. Maybe. Maybe if somebody had said to airline security, you know, they could get a, a, a hand weapon on and take control of an airplane and fly into a building. Okay, well, we'll look for that. Maybe they would have been able to see these box cutters, assembled razors that they used to take over the plane. They knew they couldn't get a gun on board. The air marshal program, for instance, that's a good idea. Let's put a trained officer on planes at random. That's what really eliminated a lot of problems and the other possibility of a 9-11 of a attack. That's the real reason 9-11 hasn't happened again, air marshal. It's what the Israelis did years ago. Why we didn't do the same? I don't know. They don't have to be on every flight. They just have to be randomly embedded. You don't know who they are. They never, they just look like an ordinary passenger. Terrorists know that. They know if we get on board with another box cutter, it might be an air marshal just blow our head off. That's what you need to be aware of. That's thinking ahead. The Israelis knew it. The Israelis have been dealing with hijackers and Islamic fundamentalism longer than we have. They figured it out. There's, I remember hijackings were happening every day in the 70s. Every, it seemed like every day. And then the Israelis figured out a way to beat it. Like they put air marshals on the plane. And guess what? They profile people, which we still refuse to do because of political reasons. We're still fighting the same old situation. We're fighting the wars that have already been lost. And we're not fighting the next one. Speaking of which, let's talk about the next one. Let's talk about Benghazi. We'll be right back. In 2012, there was a situation in Benghazi. There were a number of personnel in a security annex. And what that is, it's not the main embassy. It's a remote building, usually in an outlying city. Our embassy is in Tripoli, in Libya. And we had an outlying facility in Benghazi, Libya, which is just two hours down the road. It's another city. For whatever reason, Islamic fundamentalists attacked that facility, killing the ambassador and three security personnel. One of the security personnel was Sean Smith, who was a State Department official. He was an intelligence agent. It's another word for it. I don't know what his specific role was there. Something had to do with electronic surveillance and setup. I don't know what those personnel were doing. We still don't know what they were doing there. Why was the ambassador with a minimal detail in an area which is known to be a hot spot for Islamic fundamentalism? Why was he there? They still haven't released that. I mean, there's a huge report, a 2012 report on Benghazi, and we still don't know why they were there. I actually knew Sean Smith. Not personally. Sean Smith was a gamer 
and I don't mean like blackjack or poker. When I talk about online gaming, these are very complex, what they call multiplayer online universe games, where you you assume the role of a player in an artificial world. And you do it to pass the time. Usually, and it's been my experience, the people who play these games have a lot of free time. This is a hobby, like watching sports, like football or something like that. And I found that most of the people who play MMOs tend to be older. They're not 12-year-olds. They're not 14-year-olds. Most of them tend to be older, 30s, adults, who have a fair amount of free time and do this as their hobby, just like building ships in a bottle. Sean Smith was one of those people. I was one of those people. We were playing an odd game at the time, the night of the attacks, an online game called Eve, Eve Online. Eve Online is a space simulator. You take the role of a pilot in a huge universe. It's a huge world that's constantly, perpetually running. In other words, it's a, you are in a, a spaceship pilot in a universe that's, even when you're not playing the game, it still exists. It's a constant state universe and it's in real time. I wasn't in the room at the time, in an online chat room, and you, they use a, a, a service called Discord, which is an online, it, it, it attaches to your headset, it's software, then you talk to other players while you play them online, so you can see, see them at the same time talk to them. Sean Smith was, in this particular game, he, he had a role of a diplomat. And I was aware of it. I, I knew I knew who he was. I, and I don't want to disclose his online name and whatnot, even though he's gone now. I don't want to get into it. It wasn't that I knew him. I knew of him. And I had had some interconnection with him. In other words, I had talked with him on Discord about a number of issues. I was, at the time, the game, the person, I don't play the game anymore. It was a, I was a character. I was an online, I was a smuggler, an independent smuggler, because I don't play that much. So I played an independent job. I used to run goods from one planet system to another for a fee. That was what I did in there. And so I had to deal with him. as like I had to get permission from the office of his community to go through his star system. It's a very complex game. The night of 9-11-2012, he was on Discord, and he was, he was playing the game. Because what he would do... We all knew he was a government person, but we didn't know where or what he was doing. And he would, I, he had something to do with electronic setup. In other words, he was the, the uh, electronics guy. And as a result, he had a lot of downtime. He would go wherever he was going, set up the electronics, and then he would just wait until they were done doing whatever they were doing, whatever meeting or whatever. And then he would disassemble the electronics and go. That was his job. So as a result, he had a lot of downtime. All these people who are on online games have a lot of downtime. And the night of the attack, he was playing the game. He was talking with other people. And people were like, well, where are you now? He says, well, I just, I can't tell you where I'm doing. I'm just doing my job. And he had said to people in the online community, as a matter of fact, the FBI and the CIA downloaded Discord files, asked for Discord for the, the, con the text printout of what people were talking about. And he had said, you know, I don't feel comfortable where we're at. 
there are people taking photographs in the compound where I'm at, and they don't look like nice people. Later on that evening, he was talking, and all of a sudden, oh, I got to go, shots fired. That was the last thing he posted. What were we doing there? What was Sean Smith doing there? Why were there two Navy SEALs assigned as security and the ambassador only sent down there? We still don't know. There's all kinds of theories about it. I have my own theory. I think we were moving weapons through that facility. I think we were trying to supply Syrian rebels and there was a material goods drop at that location. In other words, we were going to transfer weapons to help the Syrian rebels in their fight against Assad. Congress had not authorized that. But we knew that if we supported those rebels, that Assad might be dislodged because we really wanted to get rid of Assad. Both sides of the aisle wanted it to happen. But it was not palatable to provide superior firepower to people who are potentially our enemies. Most notably, the ones who became ISIS. These are the, as I've talked about this, I've done whole shows on this. They're the stepchildren of Lawrence of Arabia's light cavalry. That's really what they are. They were seeking independence, an Islamic state in the, in the Middle East. Azad presented a, an obstacle to that. And so the feeling was, John McCain had spoken about this publicly, that we needed to support the Syrian rebels to prevent a widespread problem in the Middle East. But it was not palatable for them to go to Congress to do it. So they did an end around. That's what I think. That's just a theory. I want to tell you, I have no evidence of this. And people got wind of it of the transfer and didn't want it to happen. Or we're trying to basically get the weapons without paying the United States or making any promises. I don't know what happened. We still don't know. Hillary Clinton, who was the State Department at the time, would have been in charge of an operation like that. She stood in front of Congress and said, what does it matter? What matters is a big deal. So it doesn't happen again. That's why. The dead have a right to know. They have, we have to know if why an ambassador was killed. We still don't know. We really don't know what happened. I, there's no definitive answer as to what those people were doing there. They were just supposedly on a diplomatic mission. Well, what does that mean? And I, this is not a political thing. This is not an effort to say we need to blame Hillary Clinton. No, I, I look. If that was the decision that the government made, if there were people moving weapons, if we decided to move weapons extra-constitutionally outside the realm of the role of Congress, if we decided to do that, to support these rebels, that was just a bad decision. That's a call that the Secretary of State makes. Look, we've got to do this because we've got to do prevent Assad from retaining power. We've got to prevent a larger problem from happening. Okay, I get it. In that case, Secretary of State needed to step down. The president would have been responsible too. He didn't want to take the hit. And so Hillary Clinton had presidential ambitions. Barack Obama was facing a tough election with Mitt Romney. If they'd had come out during the election that he was doing that, 
maybe might have flipped the election. That's why they didn't want to let anybody know. I know why they didn't want anybody to know. It doesn't matter what they were doing. But it's important that we know what it's doing so we don't do it again. Frankly, I would have thought more of John McCain and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama if they just come forward and say, yeah, we, this is, we had to stop Assad. That's why we did it. Yeah, we shouldn't have done it. Yeah, it probably was around the law. But that's why these men died. They believed in it too. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Chris Stevens believed in that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have want to be on the deal. Sean Smith believed that. He, those SEALs did that. We were trying to do something. Okay. I don't, I, I don't, I'm sorry, like, I'm not, I don't want Hillary Clinton to go to jail for it. I just want to know what happened. Don't you understand that? It's not to get anybody in trouble. And I, I think the Republicans in Congress were trying to use it for political purposes. Because they wanted to so desperately to get rid of Hillary Clinton. I do too, man. But the way you do it is at the ballot box. And you hold them accountable. If you did something wrong or illegal, then they have to resign. And they take the political hit. She probably never would have run for president had, had we known if that was happening. And that's why it was concealed from the American people. Because the American people don't, are, they really don't understand that's the way you defeat Islamic extremism. You support individual groups. That's what we did with fundamentalism in, in the Gulf before uh, when, when Reagan was the president. He decided to support Saddam Hussein and give him arms and weapons in, in defense of his nation against Iran. That was the way we dealt with it, but people were squeamish about it. They didn't like that we were using weapons to defend anti-communist forces in the Central America, which is what Reagan was doing in Iran-Contra, too. They're squeamish about it. Oh, we shouldn't be interfering in another nation's politics. Really? Yeah, we should. I got, I got to move on. I, I don't want to make it an attack on the left. Not today. Today is a day you sit down and you break bread and you go, okay, look, we both have a common enemy. America has a common enemy. People that believe that individual liberties and rights are a problem in the world. The people that want to go back to the 15th century. Those are the problem. And those are an enemy of liberals and conservatives alike. So today, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to remember the dead, figure out what can we do together to stop that. I know I'm, I'm probably the only person in the world, judging by what I saw on social media this morning before I started this show... I'm the only person in the world that thinks that. They're out there attacking each other with such savageness. They're worse than the Islamic militants, for God's sakes, with what they're saying. Not today. We'll be right back. Look, the point of today's show is we still don't really know what happened in the 2012 Benghazi attack. Big government failed to defend us in the 2001 attack. 
It failed to defend us in the 1993 attack. Big government is not the solution. Invading other nations like John Bolton wants and the neocons want, that's not the solution either. Bombing another country into submission, that's not the solution. The solution, as always, is believing in limited government, low taxes, and individual liberties and responsibilities. When you defend those other ideals and you stand for those other ideals that are written down in our Constitution, which is very easy to read, the rest of the world sees that and sees Islamic fundamentalism for what it is. Just like the world saw communism for what it was. We didn't defeat communists by bombing them. How did we defeat them? We actually sat down at the negotiating table with them. Ronald Reagan did, remember? That's what Donald Trump's trying to do with Iran, with North Korea. Why is everybody so against that? Well, because it's Trump. That's why. He's not part of the establishment. He's not part of the order. The end of the day, the day is one when we stand by our principles, when we stand by what we believe in, what we wrote down in 1787. Avoiding foreign entanglements. Keeping to ourselves, keeping ourselves strong. Self-reliance, responsibility for what we do, living with the consequences, independent thought. This is what made strong, America strong for 200 years. Why do you think we went so fast, so far? So far, so fast. Strike that, reverse it. Why do you think we're on the moon and nobody else is? Because we believe in those constitutional ideas and we stick with them. We made our people self-reliant. We believed in the idea of self-defense, not putting troops on every street corner. Self-reliance, independent thought. Each state doing whatever they think is best for themselves. Not a federal interference. No federal education. No federal bureau. That's what America's all about. We forgot that. And when we remember that, when we go back to that, the rest of the world will see it. It used to be that immigrants came to the country. Why? Because it's the greatest place in the world. I want to be an American. You read the writings of immigrants to early America. That's what they said. I want to be American. You don't see that now. You see people coming here, we want to destroy America. America's our problem. We want to profit. We want to leech off America. It's because the mentality about America has changed. We're out of time. You do what you want today. I'm going to remember the dead. I'm going to remember what brought us to this point. And I'm going to keep talking about it every day. Big government's the problem. Homeland security is not going to save you. Bombing other nations isn't going to save you. What's going to save you is what we put down in the Constitution in 1787. Those founding fathers were brilliant. Being self-reliant, independent, responsible. That's what will save you. But we're out of time for today. It's what I talk about on this show every day. 
People seem to forget that. I'll be off social media most of today, except to post information and stories about 9-11. I held back on a number of tweets this morning because I just said, today's not the day to do it. I'll talk about it tomorrow. There's plenty of time tomorrow. There's plenty of time that I've had before to talk about it. Today, not going to do that. Today, we're all Americans. That's what we need to never forget. That we're all Americans and that we're all one. We're not gay Americans. We're not black Americans. We're not Asian Americans. We're all Americans. Never forget that. I'm done for today. I'll be back tomorrow. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.